Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I'm joined by Dave Shields. Uh, we're recording this the day after Halloween because I guess we, we had plans, both of us, and didn't really realize it that uh, recording day was on Halloween until that day. And it was like, oh, this probably won't work out, huh? T- typical us, not exactly on top of our stuff, but we figured it out a few hours before. Well, okay. In my defense, I know what dates are and I know what days of the week are, but I don't necessarily know which ones are which. Does that make sense? It does. And it's relatable. And I wish I could say the same for this for me, but my wife had bought us concert tickets for Halloween night and reminded me of that repeatedly for weeks on end. And it still slipped my mind that that was actually a Tuesday <laughs> because she said things like Halloween and October 31st and right? not Tuesday. Yeah, no. So we, we kind of struggle with the same thing, right? It's like, all right, I know I'm busy on the 31st, but I know I'm recording Tuesday. And Those aren't it, the same thing. Yeah, no point. Are we just like, wait, hold on. We need to do something about this. But uh, what, what, what do you go see? Um, so head in the heart, just like a small jam band in Providence. Um, but we pawned off Halloween and trick or treating with the little one to the grandparents, which Leo is obsessed with and loves. And he got to do with his cousins and we got a night off. Okay. I figured it was my last night off on Halloween for probably like 15 years. So I might as well take it. Yeah. I mean, 15 is a long time, but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, baby girl is going to be born in a few months here. Right. So I figure, you know. I'm not Were you exactly trick or treating when you were 15? No, but I'm not exactly. I can't imagine I'm going to be like very super comfortable with my 14 year old daughter just like going out by herself. So even if I'm not doing anything, I'm going to be like, you know, fraught with anxiety on the couch. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe you're still going to be like handing out candy. I don't know. But yeah, well, I- I'm at least not going to be able to rest easy. Yeah, understandable. So, last one for a long time, but we had fun. It was good. Awesome. Uh, I, I went to some friend's house, uh, while, while they handed out candy and I just sat on the couch and played like phone games for a while while they did their thing. Sounds great. Uh, Yeah. It was completely chill and reasonable and I enjoyed it. Um, last year they, they did a bunch of like Pokemon stuff. So like they, they have like Pokemon things up in their house, uh, one of them really likes ghost Pokemon. So like that plus Halloween, you know, and then uh, last year they just did like OG Jesse and James team rocket and they handed out candy. But in addition to the candy, apparently they have like these three card packs of Halloween Pokemon cards. You, oh my you gosh. Can just, you can just buy them. I didn't know this was a thing. This sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. So they, they handed out those and they're like last year, they're just like, yeah, we want to be like the cool house in the neighborhood or whatever. Right. And uh, yeah, that that worked because yeah. people were coming up. They're like, yo, it's the Pokemon house. Like, do you have any more cards? And they're like, yeah, we got cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, it, they're just great. Yeah. Here I am thinking like the full size candy bar is like the cool house in the neighborhood. But this is like a super level up. Oh, yeah. No, Jason Ford messaged me and, and told me that he did that last year. Yeah. Well, that's a very Jason thing to do. But. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I was I was chilling for a bit. And then uh, someone someone brought up the fact that they had spent a lot of time playing this this game on Switch called Suica Game. 
which I doubt you've heard of it. No idea what you just said. Suika. S-U-I-K-A. Game. And this is a thing that I know that like Brian would have been on top of because he just bought like every game that came out ever. But I know that you are maybe a little bit more busy than he is. So I also am like, I play a lot of games, but I'm like no new games, no new friends. Yeah. And that's fair. You know, just play League of Legends until you die mad of playing League of Legends. Yeah, likely. And Magic. But yeah, sure. Well, yeah. I, I, same, same, I suppose. But uh, I guess this thing is is like kind of old. It used to be uh, just like a Flash game. And then it was out on Switch in Japan and like just got released here and uh, is apparently highly addictive, right? So it is just this like kind of Tetris style game where you drop fruits and, you know, you can like rotate the cursor for like where they drop and stuff. Uh, and then the fruits combine to form bigger fruits. And then you just try to, I don't know, combine all the fruits together. But more often than not, your screen fills up with giant watermelons and then you die. I mean, it sounds very satisfying. Uh, so <laughs> my friend got out of Switch. Uh, and it's like $3 also. So he just like buys it, tries it once, hands it off to me. I play it for like... I, I just blacked out for like an hour. I just played this game nonstop. <laughs> and then uh, got home and got the game myself and then played it for like five hours until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. <laughs> got it. And then, yeah, woke up today, played a little bit also. Uh, it's so, pretty fun. Suika Master. Got it. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. Because... Uh, it, it keeps track of like your high scores and then it shows like the high scores of the people who have like played online or whatever. And obviously I'm nowhere near them. Um, but I don't know. I was watching a bunch of people stream today and it's like, well, I'm better than they are, I guess, but well, maybe you could stream it in theory, but I'm not going to, I guarantee uh, whatever, whatever fad this is, will be, will be over by the time this podcast comes out. Maybe. We'll see. But anyway, man, if if you got a Switch and three bucks and, uh, you know, want to incinerate, like, your sleeping hours or whatever, it's a fun game. Yeah. So we could up. And I'm, I'm glad that this happened on a Tuesday instead of, like, last weekend, for example, because I was doing a lot of stuff last weekend. And I feel like this would have gotten in the way of that very badly. But start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Yeah, I played. I played a hell of a lot of Magic last weekend. So basically, like every weekend, I'm like looking at the Moto schedule, and my sleep schedule is very erratic and everything. Uh, so sometimes it just like doesn't line up. You know, it's like oh, there's like a pretty reasonable like 9 a.m. Modern challenge or whatever. Let me see. Uh, it's, I, oh, it's 11 a.m. I'm not going to give you this pass because, listen, they, they have a challenge that starts every two hours, man. The challenge schedule is there to support people of all regions, geographies, etc. And yeah, but not all formats are created equal. We Sure. But like there are modern challenges that start at all different times of each day. So the day and time might not line up perfectly, but like. Well, right. But that's what I'm saying work. is my sleep schedule being erratic. Oh, like okay. if I was always up at 
11 a.m. or whatever, then okay, yeah, I could play the Saturday one for sure, right? But like, I never know what time I'm going to be awake on any given day. Fair. And it just so aligns that on Friday, I was like, okay, it's like 3 p.m. I'm kind of tired. I'll take a nap. Wake up at like seven or something, get ready for this 9 p.m. modern challenge because they have a 9 p.m. modern challenge on Friday. Psycho. So I do that. I play this until about 5 a.m. I sleep 5 to 10. And then Saturday, there's the arena open, which is uh, woe limited. You're going to leave out the fact that you got ninth on breakers or are we going to go into that? No, I'll, 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 this is just a, an overarching amount of magic that I played. Got okay. it. And and we'll get into specifics. So Saturday, I play the arena open. I fail to qualify. Uh, I I try a lot of times. Okay, I do not qualify. And then Sunday, what happened Sunday? Ooh, there's a qualifier this Sunday. I still don't have forty QPs. That was kind of why I was I was playing in these too. It was like. I just need to like farm these premiums. Qualifiers don't require QPs. They're optional. You can use tickets. This is Sunday, 5.30 a.m. Modern qualifier. Qualifier entry fee, 40 QPs. It, you can also enter the qualifiers with tickets. Trust me, I've slowly become a moto expert. That's so weird. Why would they say that? Well, because you you, you have the option to use QPs if you would like to. In well, lieu of for tickets. example, you go down to Modern Challenge, it says entry fee, 300 play points or 30 tickets. It lists like every possible thing. So like why for this qualifier? What, are you on MTGO Update or what, what site are you on? I am on MTGO Update. Fantastic website for whatever it's worth. Yes. Game changer. Um, I don't know, but I, I learned this the hard way that like the qualifiers that are like effectively RCQs, you have the option of QPs or tickets and the actual showcase challenges are QPs only. Yeah, because that's a mox thing. Yes. And I've multiple times gotten them mixed up and I've, I've, I've gotten burned where I prepped a bunch, got all ready and just couldn't enter. Yeah. So, but regardless... I will say I've also tried at various times to play in some of these limited challenges and they have not fired. Yeah, no, the limited challenge, they don't have top eight drafts, man. It's just like, it's basically a daily event. It's just like a five round scheduled sealed thing. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's six actually, which is even weirder, but. Yeah, no, not a fan. Uh, I think that is where I got some of my my QPs that I have is from one of those. And it's just like, okay, cool. I'll do more of these. And then uh, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so. No, no MTG open, uh, MTGA open for me. No day two for me. So on Sunday, uh, I play a challenge at some point. I don't know when. Oh no, it was it was the seven a.m. one. So yeah, like I woke I up. Yeah, so I woke up early. Uh, again, like setting alarms and like very carefully planning out when I take naps and stuff to try and like massage my sleep schedule into working with this right because. How is it one day I am waking up at like 7 p.m. and then on one of the days I'm waking up at like 7 a.m., right? Yeah. Bizarre. Very reasonable question. So playing this modern challenge, uh, time's going on. Eventually you wake up. You're drafting in day two of the open because you're just a a one and done kind of gamer. You know, Uh, you just play in in one 
arena open qualifier and you get there? It took me a couple. Oh, okay. Okay. I I assumed it was only one. No, it took me a few tries. Okay. So then at some point I start, uh, you know, watching you draft and play while I'm also playing in this modern challenge and stuff. So. Uh, I did. I did a lot of stuff. I, and I think on Saturday I was also like looking at challenges while all this stuff was going on. But like, if I had qualified for the open, then maybe would have even played in three. Who knows? How, how do you feel about the term "has the fire"? I mean, I think it is a, a thing that almost certainly exists, but I do not have it. No. We ne- no, we- I, mean, I can make a conscious effort to be like, oh, there is like work that needs to be done. I mean, I need to figure out these certain things that I kind of have in the back of my mind is like knowledge that I don't have yet, you know? All right. When was the last time you think you manipulated your sleep schedule or went out of your way to play in two challenges in the same weekend? I mean, it's definitely been a while since I've done that, but it's really not that hard either. Oh, it's not that hard. I'm just, I'm excited about it. I'm trying to contain my excitement. I don't want to make it more than it is. Oh, uh, remind me offline to tell you about a realization I had. Okay, noted. Okay. Epiphany, got it. And what? For, for you listeners out there, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's fine. No, nothing to think about. So- you played- you played scam in the first challenge? Yeah, so Friday, I, uh, I play scam. Uh, it's one way to stay awake. <laughs> Dude, you're telling me. Okay, so Ramon Gonzalez, Victor Hawkins, uh, Atlanta Grinders, do a little collabo, build build the scam deck. Victor just annihilates the SCG event that we went to in Dallas, like wins RCQ on Friday and the Open on Sunday. Easy yeah. game. 16 or 17 wins with scam without a loss. Yeah, no losses. Average. And uh, just posted a cyborg guide for free. So that's cool. So I, I take a look at that and I uh, had already taken a look at the list. The list looks like real good, real clean, very, very like up to date and conscious about what is going on in modern. It's like you can tell that this has just been like a labor of love for them. You know, they put a lot of work in. I don't, I'm like a little bit ignorant on some of this. Are they in the Jake area of the East Middle East coast? Middle East coast. Yeah. Like, you know, North of Florida, but South of New York. They're in Atlanta. Okay. Got it. So I guess not, not the same group or whatever. They're not in the same scammer group as Jake. Oh, um, I, believe they know each other i don't know it's weird because it's like uh, i've i've kind of been like removed from all this and now we're seeing like a kind of like a new crop of of grinders pop up and everything and now i'm starting to go to events again and i'm finding out like who knows who but i still don't know how or why you know yeah i feel like there's a group of them that i've like slowly stumbled upon that like always have like sneak you know, are sneakily good and have these like really clean scam lists. And these both remind me of each other. Okay. So, uh, Michael, who you met when you top eight with creativity in Columbus. Also top, he like top four or something with scam. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, Vic, not Victor, but Vic. Yeah. 
and Michael are our roommates. Oh. And they live close to Roanoke, which is where Jake Beardsley, Pro Tour winner, uh, like went to school in that area. It's all coming together. Yeah. So they all know each other. And then Vic, I don't know how, also knows like Victor and Robin. And I, I hung out with like Vic and Victor at one point and then Vic and Robin at one point over the course of the weekend. Got uh, it. In, in Dallas. So, so yeah, potentially some overlap and some influence, but unclear. Yeah. And then my, my friend Jake from Atlanta also knows these folks from just like playing events and stuff. Got it. And Jake was the one who like introduced me to Robin in the first place, like many events ago when I was in like Baltimore or something. Hmm. It's weird, man. It's like, I don't know. It's like uh new year school starts and there's like all these, these new kids or it's like, maybe I just transferred into school or something, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what it feels out, like. Yeah. How everyone knows each other and whatnot. Like who, who are the cool kids who, who's cool? Who don't we like, you know? Yeah. Well, I kind of like figuring out who like kind of knows each other based on like common patterns and trends and deck lists. Cause that, that stuff I usually pick up on. Yeah. So, uh, Michael definitely had like Jake's sideboarding guide in Columbus when, when he top played. Yeah. Yeah. We went through this with like, how many chalices would you bring in against burn conversations? Yeah. And also, you know, fun fact about Victor and Robin's sideboarding guide is they also bring in the two chalices against burn, which I God think is wrong. Dang it. I think it's wrong, but whatever, you know, uh, regardless, there's been a lot of work put in. Uh, if you, if you go on either Victor, Victor or Robin's Twitter, uh, Robin is at Relic Robin. Victor is at Pensur underscore MTG, P-E-N-S-E-U-R underscore MTG. And do you know what Pensur means? I don't. Uh, I, I looked it up before this podcast because I it, it had always been like in the back of my mind, like, oh, I should figure out what this means or whatever. So I just Google it. And it either means thinker, which is great, or debater which i would say is uh in my mind derogatory <laughs> okay <laughs> you know but i i'm just gonna assume that victor just means it as thinker i love a good debate man i don't think that's derogatory at all i think that's your perspective you, you should yeah you should. i like i i i call them battles man and like that's how you get your best ideas it it depends because i've i've certainly been in uh, you know, pro pro teams, I'm not going to name any names. If you know, you know, there are a, a few people who are just notorious for trying to debate to like win and not to learn. And I find those people very tiresome. Yeah. See, I would argue that's not debating and that if you're not open minded about like or open to changing your perspective or your opinion, then then we're not even what are we even doing? Sure. We're just sharing our own thoughts. Well, if we want to have a discussion where it's like, hey, I have this thing that I want to convince you of or whatever, it's like it doesn't have to be a debate. We can just have a discussion about it. And I think that that's probably more healthy. Yeah. I like the, the concept and the idea of like challenging different ideas, especially in the interest of like making sure they hold water. And I think that like having ideas withstand challenges is like the best way to know that you're onto something. I mean, I do agree with that, but I, yeah, I just think that there's probably like the bad debaters out there that give this uh, a pretty bad rep in general. Yeah, know? that's fair. Debating in bad faith. 
Yeah. So anyway, uh, their sideboarding guide, very good. Uh, some of the stuff that I I saw, including like the mirror match strat was like not stuff that I had seen in a lot of other places. I never saw Jake's actual sideboarding guide. So I don't know if, if that's what he was doing, but in terms of like going down to, I think it was like two scam effects in the mirror, uh, stuff like that. Just, you know, it kind of, kind of like made a lot of sense to me and seemed like, I don't know, it was just like new and unique and probably pretty smart and probably helped give them the sizable edge that they've had. So I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta try this, get, get some reps with like their specific thing, their specific guide. And it was a roller coaster of emotions. I, I can't remember the last time where I was like, playing magic and like my heart's beating so fast and every turn is just so ridiculously swingy and uh Corey Bomeister played on Saturday or Sunday I think I think he played the Saturday one Saturday so I like, yeah I was watching him when I was playing the arena stuff and his matches his matches were also exciting but they weren't like as intense as mine I think I just got like the the high octane version of playing this deck. I don't know how or why, but um I know I lost to a mirror at five and one playing for top eight and then got ninth. I'm trying to remember what else I lost. Oh, I lost the scales. I just got smushed by scales in round three. It was not even close. Yeah, I think when scales has a good draw, that's just kind of what they do. Yeah, and like their their playing against scales is is pretty awesome too. You know, like they yeah. It's the kind of thing that I would come up with where it's just like take out a bunch of your small creatures, bring in a bunch of like explosives and K commands and stuff like that. And you just become like the control deck. And that that's exactly the type of thing I would want to do in that matchup. And I just put up like very little resistance. My yeah, draws are not great. Couldn't kill enchantments. Uh, no. Uh, also, I, I could kill enchantments because I had explosives and Hitsugo consumes all. So Okay. Oh yeah, touche. Non-land enchantments are in are in play for being killed then. Yeah. Uh Saga Saga is still a lot. Saga still remains one of the best cards against scam. And I definitely got beat up by some sagas. Yeah. It's funny but, because you're telling me about this story of I I think the exact words you said to me was this deck is too high octane for me. And I'm watching Corey kind of stream and experience the same thing at the same time you're telling me the story. So I was I got a good kick out of all of this. Yeah, it, dude, it was just too much. <laughs> I don't, especially you know, it's like five in the morning when this thing ends, and like obviously the tournament ends with like me sweating tiebreakers too. It's like, come on, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought I was like pretty close to drawing dead, but it's like you kind of have to stay awake just to see, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like looking at at my tiebreakers and the person who I'm in contention with basically, and it's like all of my tiebreakers won and basically like all of theirs lost and I'm like oh are we actually doing it and it's like no no it's not even close yep (laughs) so just ended beautifully overall like 10 out of 10 experience or like 0 out of 10 depending on your perspective I guess well if your goal is to not play scam again I I guess maybe that's what you're you accomplished that no I don't think that that was my, my lesson from this it's just that like over time, I feel like I will become desensitized to this. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it was specifically with this deck. Like it is, it's operating similarly to Eldrazi in 
uh, modern when it was like all powered up where it's like you, you basically have a finite amount of decisions you get to make each turn. And then you just like do that stuff. Mostly, you know, just like put your head down, close your eyes, hope it works out, you know? And yeah. Eldrazi stuff, I was just always cool with. It's just like, yeah, whatever happens, happens. You know, playing Dredge, kind of the same thing. But for whatever reason, it was just like this: the swings on every turn were just so massive. I don't know. I'm not sure if this is, like, appealing or not. Part of me, like, is intrigued. Well, I, I, can't, I can't verify that everyone will have the same experience I did, but that's just what I was feeling, so I don't know. Yeah, I played a good amount of Hammer, like going back a year and like when I was first getting back into Modern and I played a lot of, you know, challenges with in it, like daily events with Hammer or whatever, just leagues. And um, I enjoyed it for a lot of these reasons of like the games had a lot of interesting decisions that were very impactful, but they were all over very quickly as well. Yeah. So I enjoyed those puzzles where I would just, you know, basically play a four turn game that would last 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as I'm sure that you can relate to too, most of the decks that you and I have played historically and done well with involve like far more incremental decision-making. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had good runs with Eldrazi when it was legal and modern, uh, like played it in our regionals, at least one SCG and uh, top eight did one GP with it. Yeah, but you, you know? have... Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, there are exceptions, right? But you've got a lot of GP top eights, a lot of regionals, and a lot of SCGs. This is the exception. Sure. And then I I played Eldrazi in Legacy also and got second in the one tournament that I played that. So Yeah, sounds like a busted deck. It, it, dude, it is. Yeah. I still, I still have all the, like, Japanese Thought Not Seers and Matter Reshapers and whatnot. Oh. Just in case anybody makes a silly decision, like unbanning Ivugan or something. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, we don't want to. We don't want to ban grief. You know, it's it's pretty clear that they they don't want to do that. So who knows what could happen next? Yeah. Listen, MH two is still like you know unscathed. So. Well, also MH three like has Eldrazi in it, right? It had like Emrakul in the in the splash art or something. So yeah. It's exciting. And, like, listen, for how, like, destroyed MH1 was, like, MH2 has really withstood the test of time. Has it? Like, it just, like, they haven't, they've chosen not to ban anything. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. If I was, like, on that dev team, I would view this as, like, an absolutely massive win. And even if they banned something at this point, I would still, like, view that as a absurdly big win. Compared to, like, Hogak. Look. When I was when I was there, I was again. I worked on MH1, if if folks are not aware. And at least the thing that I was trying to do, the thing that I was trying to promote, was mostly like propping up the tier two point five archetypes and like giving toys to the players in modern who only had like one deck. You know. Yeah, that's it. I, I think that's a good strategy and approach to have. Yeah, and I'm not saying that MH1 accomplished that because it kind of didn't. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I wanted them to take shots for, like I'm not, I'm not a card designer, you know, I can't I can't do that. But like things that were on my list were things that they definitely put into MH2 stuff, like you know, tools for Enchantress or like a, a fun and like fair ish 
reanimator strategy and even like Asmo, I think, would fall under its own category of like, oh, you've you created like a new thing that is spawned. Yeah, objectively awesome. Yeah. Right. And all that stuff is good. But then in terms of like opening up modern, MH2 has not done that. It's weird because I think the initial post MH2 modern format was fantastic, but like Yeah, when people were playing with all their new toys. Yeah. And I, I am I am like a pretty big fan of like cards like Ragavan being like some of the better cards in the format. I think that usually leads to pretty healthy things. But I yeah, I agree. Like let, let the best card be a one drop creature. With Always. one toughness, I know what to do. I put gut shot in my deck, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I want that, right? But like, you, you know my thoughts on all of this, right? When the best cards in the format, what it's clear to do, what's what you're supposed to do against them is not clear, that's a huge problem. Agreed. And that's the big, like, we have now, you know, evolved into this point where I no longer think it's healthy, but different. Yeah, that, different. that's why it's like, oh, Enchantress, okay, well, we have you know, Force of Vigors or Fracturing Gust type of stuff, Reanimator, there's obviously tons of Graveyard Hate that's viable and out there and stuff. And we we tried to do things that were like, you know, more sideboard cards against things like Tron and, yeah. and stuff like that, right? So Even like pushing cards like Hogak, like, listen, obviously that one's like too far over the line, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad place to push because like what you're supposed to do against that in theory is clear and obvious and... You know, there's potent sideboard cards to to fight those things. Yogmoth, MH1, banger. Good job, yeah. team. So I, it's, I, not, it's not without its winners, right? Yeah. Uh I, I think like we definitely did not have undying Yogmoth. Uh that like maybe maybe Tom Ross came up with it after I left or whatever, because I I left maybe with like a month of devs still left or something. So I don't know. But uh, that, that was a card that was just like text to print, basically. Like they came up with the design. It was just like, yeah, this is great. Incredibly flavorful. Yeah. And then Urza is a wild bastardization of text, the initial text that they came up with. So interesting. A good, yeah, I, a good card. I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and and it, Urza's problems aren't even necessarily like Urza's fault. Right. It was like, yeah, Mox Opal, very strong card. And then there's all the like Oko, Uro, Mystic Sanctuary stuff that existed alongside it that made it kind of nonsense. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, in, in terms of scam, you also sent me this list that is, uh, well, you sent me the link and it's just, it's, it's labeled Mardu Midrange. And I that, enjoyed that. That kind of got my blood pumping a little bit, but then it was like, oh, no, I've seen this, and it's just scam splashing white for uh, three sideboard cards, Celestial Purge, Wear Tear, and Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. And you were like, this is cool, and I'm just like, this offends me. Come on. It's offensive. It's not. It is. You are a Rakdos deck splashing a removal spell. Explain yeah, yourself. Not n probably not a great strategy. Explain yourself. Listen, sh show people, your work. People have gone off the deep end to try to like figure out something to do against Beanstalk and Binding. Yeah, no, I, Celestial Purge is the the main one, the main offender. Sure, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I would assume 
that like the wear tear and the Elishnorn are the reasons why the white is in our deck. And then the Celestial Purge is something we put there once the white is already there. But even still, how much better is like pigeonholing yourself into having to fetch the white mana in the mirror versus, uh, you know, just Probably playing more Terminates or whatever. Like, I'm with you there. Again, like th- this deck also has additional constraints where your cards, you want them to be pitchable, right? Fair. So is Celestial Purge even better than Terminate? Maybe not. Let me ask you this. If you were going to play Scam and you really wanted to get an edge in the Beanstalk matchup, which direction would you gravitate towards? What would your instincts be? Well, do we do we talk about uh, me being like kind of up to date with like the magic zeitgeist or whatever on the podcast ever? Or was yeah. that just... No, that, that was definitely a conversation the last time. Okay. Well, my, my read on the situation now is that people mostly think it is like bad or a meme and that like, in your next tournament, Omnath will probably not be very popular except from absolute diehards. Sure, but ignore that for a second. Let's just pretend you did have a you did have <laughs> a zeitgeist reality. Read. No, let's pretend for a second you had a read that you like wanted to play scam. Okay. You were a scam one trick, and you had a read that like the beanstalk cascade deck was going to be something that you wanted to get an edge against. What would you do? Well, do we do we have any idea as to what specific version we care about. Because if if they're the the blue version, I'm not super scared of it. Fair. If it's like Tristan's, you know, force of negation, uh, commandeer type of stuff. It's like, yeah, and okay. I don't know that you should like do anything crazy. I think that like the biggest mistake that people can make in these situations is like overcompensating. But like, let's just say you want to lean in the direction of, you know, hey, I got a few extra sideboard slots. I just want to like lean towards beating that. Yeah. What should I do? So... As as Omnath player, things things out of scam that I am I am most scared of are mostly just them doing their thing. And past that, it is basically like how many bowmasters and maybe even shieldreds they draw, like things that actually punish your draw engine to the point where that's Basically, all I'm thinking about the entire game is like making sure I hold on to like a fire ice or or, you know, solitude or binding to be able to like deal with one of those things. And to some degree, like keeping my life total high so that if they do actually like ding me for, you know, three or six or whatever off some draw triggers when I have to solitude to kill one of those things, then it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, And that makes sense. Good. I was going to say, I, that, that all makes sense. I don't know that there's a ton you can do to, to do your thing more consistently, right? We're already maxing out on like pretty much all of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the question then from the scam side is like, is there a better plan than that? And can you max more? I mean, this list has a shieldred main. So, yeah, maybe that is a nod in that direction. Uh, they're still the second copy in the sideboard. So they have like all the the scary cards that any normal scam deck would have, right? Yeah. And from the Omnath side, the thing that I'm not scared about is them trying to, like, really fight me one for one on, like, the Beanstalk axis. It's like... Yeah, there's at that point, they're slowing down, and that's kind of what you want. Yeah, so the the two copies of Wear Tear, if the intended target is Beanstalk, I'm not super concerned, but as a person who has 
like three lane line of sanctity in their board right now and has generally liked them. I would not be happy if I, you know, kept my opener pretty happy, had a ley line, and then it got blowed up and, you know, maybe maybe things go badly from there or whatever. But, like, I'm never mulliganing aggressively for ley line, nor am I ever necessarily, like, banking on it to carry me that much. It is mostly just, like, a quality of life thing. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and also it's like, okay, I, I ley line you and then you spend your turn one doing that and then you still don't get to like thought seize or, or grief me until turn two. Like, and then at that point, you know, you're doing that stuff instead of like playing a two mana card, right? Yeah. So yeah, they, they are a turn slower for like the entirety of the game. And then there's like the Elish Norn where like, yes, the games do go that long, but it's pretty rare where you're not already like losing or in a commanding position by the time they can play an Elish Norn. Yeah. And five mana threats. Like I don't even know how often or reliably you get to five mana. Yeah. So I don't know. You see things from uh, other scam decks like Tirok is kind of like made a resurgence or whatever. I don't think it is particularly good. Uh, the Omnath decks tend to just have a lot of cards in hand and have a lot of disposable resources, especially if they have a beanstalk. And then it's not like the scam deck is that great at getting to four mana on time. So a lot of times you just run it out as a two one and then maybe get some triggers from it off of your like thought seasons and griefs and stuff. And like protection from white is fine, but it's not a guarantee, especially if, we're talking about like the Fury Fire Ice version of the deck or like even Tristan's has Murderous Cut, you know? Yeah, not a very scary card from my perspective from the other side. No, it's it is it's a thing that you can do. It's just yeah, as far as looking for like a slam dunk from the scam side, like you don't have one. It's just you just try to mulligan appropriately, play tightly. Uh so last weekend when we were at the Star City Snook was playing in an RCQ and asked himself the same question. He's a one-trick scammer. Oh, yeah. He had two Roiling Vortex. Three Roiling Vortex, yeah. Okay, he had three. the Shielded main plus the Shielded board, but he asked himself the same question. And while I don't think it's like necessarily this like slam dunk amazing thing, I do think it's the right idea because yeah. it attacks them on the axis that you want to fight on, which is the thing you said of from the 4C side, you want to protect your life total. Yes. It's like, all right, well, this card ends the game quicker. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do like that because it, it pressures your life total. It stops the life gain and punches them for pitch casting. Yep. So, and it also, and it also like has random, um, applications against other matchups. Sure. So, um, yeah, I you think, tell me that and then I'm just like, yeah, why are we, why are we splashing it all? Well, I'm with point? you. Like I, I actually, I really liked this thought exercise because my first reaction to him having the whirling vortex was like, this is stupid, but it like is, it's going overboard, but. I, I don't know, especially in smaller tournaments, if you can, if you think that you can actively predict the field, then then that's fine. That's a yeah, you walk into a room do. with 30 people and like, you know, the two or three people in the room that you want to beat, you know, they're all on beanstalks. Like, I don't think this is that crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, the one that I won, I think was 30 or 32 people, something like that. And it was like me, Jarvis, Steve Nagy were probably, uh, you know, the only people playing well we're there's at least one other person playing omnath but we were all three playing versions of omnath and then cho was like you know among the the good players there he was playing murktide um 
but it's like, yeah, in order to win the tournament, you're probably going to have to go through one of us, right? It's it's one of those situations. Yeah, good luck. Well, I mean, if you put Vortex in your scam deck, I mean, you you have a much better chance now than you did five minutes ago, I'm sure. Yeah. Listen, I, I appreciate the get them dead aspect of it. And I think that, like, you know, trying to play the game on your axis and not theirs is usually the right way to lean. Yes. And, and that is the main reason why I like it. Yeah. So if, even if, if it's like not a the Lavinia absolute, type card, I would not be about it. Yeah. Even if it's not actually the right card, it's in the right direction. Right. So that something in the spirit of that, of like, how can we kill them quicker? is like where I think we should be focused. Yeah. And Vortex is scary. It is legitimately like one of the, the best cards against the archetype. Yeah. You don't have a binding. It's like, uh, what do I do? Yeah. I, I bring in Force of Vigor against Burn specifically for that card. Yeah. Because if, if they don't have it, then your your chances of winning are pretty high already. So Yeah. Like I think it's like, you know, obviously quite a bit better against the versions that are cascading, right? But yes. it still has application against the ones that aren't, which I think is appealing. Yeah, I mean the the ones that are not cascading, uh Victor and Robin had Bone Crusher Giant as like a one ring catch all, which I also liked uh, a decent amount. Yeah, if they're going to be one ring, right? And obviously there's versions that aren't cascading and aren't one ringing. And then th- at that point, like things get even weirder. I think that's sure. one of the re- reasons why this is awkward at this point is there's a lot of different variations of this. Yeah, agreed. Um, cool. I don't know. I'm, there, I, I still have things that I'm working on for the archetype. Um, I, I think for everything that I figure out, like two more questions pop up basically. So I still have a lot of work to do. And then, God, I'm going to I'm gonna look in my notebook, actually, because I wrote down a bunch of stuff. Say say some stuff. Have some thoughts while I look for this. Well, I'm more just excited the fact that you played two challenges to their completion. I think more than 12 matches of Magic Online premiere events in the same weekend for you is a big deal. And it doesn't sound like we're done yet, so. Well, I'm busy some of the days this weekend so we'll see yeah not not for the qualifier sunday problem is it starts at 5 30 in the morning which for me would be an issue but for you that might just line up it might um yeah that'll be interesting well i first i have to make sure that it does actually take tickets oh you didn't take my word for it i i did not oh man man i want to but like it, it's just the way the site is. It's just really weird. And also, no, like, I've been I've been gotten the by this in the same second. way that you have. Huh? Ignore the site for a second. I'm telling you, you can register with tickets. You want me to check that right now, too? No, I don't need you to check it. I know you can. Like, I don't know how to share my confidence any more strongly. And I I know. I, I get it. I understand. I hear you, and I trust you. But you understand how devastating this would be if I, like plan to do this and just get destroyed by it so i might as well just at least check to make sure right fair all right so i'm looking at the things that i have written down and some of them are embarrassing to the point where i'm not going to share uh one of the things that i will share is like there's this new valicate list that has popped up that is without primeval titan and i actually did play a league with this uh back when it still had Primeval Titan, I was like, these Primeval Titans kind of suck. <laughs> like, I was siding them out a lot. So, this new list looks good and makes a lot of sense. Have you seen this? No. It has Cartographer Survey. 
I have no idea what that does. It's it's basically explosive vegetation. Uh, like, hopefully. It's uh, 3G sorcery or invasion of Zendikar, if you will. Yeah, Thank, that's a far better comparison. For people who, who... I played explosive vegetation in a constructed pro tour in the year 2006. No, 2003. Come on. 2003, jeez. <laughs> I also think... Didn't it, like, lose the finals of that pro tour? What's up? I think explosive explosive vegetation deck lost the finals of that pro tour, but continue. Uh, was it Naya Slide versus White Red Slide? There was some mm. stuff with like Chroma and the Legend Rule, and it was bad. So that's the OSIP PT then? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, my, my story from that pro tour, oh, my God. You can't just, you got to tell it now. Well, it was, it was pro tour, quote, unquote, Venice. You you know those pro tours, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now I don't know a lot about Venice, and I've I've been to Italy a couple times, but have not done a ton of sightseeing. So I don't know what like actual Venice is supposed to be, but we were on a tiny island named Lido that we had to take a boat to. <laughs> I didn't know any of this until we got there. So yeah, Pro Tour Venice, my ass, right? Uh, Wild. Get there, I don't know, Thursday, I guess. And then airport, like cab to like the ferry station or whatever. And then it's like, yep, take a little boat to this island. Now we're just on the island for the weekend. And then uh, get some food, go to bed, wake up, play the Pro Tour. Uh Lose, playing for day two, had a lot of very interesting matches. Uh, this is Astral Slide and Goblins. Those are the only two viable decks. I played Green Red Ramp. I was using Explosive Vegetation, which is four mana to double rampant growth, to play Kamal Fist of Krosa. Do you know this card? Yes. Okay, Kamal. It's like the Red Visara the Dreadful like pattern, right? Like. No. RRR2 or something like that? No. This is the green Kamal. Oh, green one. Okay. Turns our lands into three threes and like overruns or something. Yo, you want to know something real messed up? Yeah. Modern qualifier, only entry fee. I know. I already QPs. have it. I have it queued up. I have it queued up. I was waiting on the bad news. <laughs> Finish your story. Okay. Uh, so Kamal is a six mana, four, three legendary creature. Legend rule was all kinds of messed up back then, but it didn't matter because I was the only one playing Kamal, right? And Kamal, uh, maybe he trampled himself, probably not though, but you could pay G to turn any land into a one, one creature. And then you could pay five mana to overrun. Oh, I thought it was turning into a three, three. It only turns it into one, one. Yeah. Got it. So if you have like seven or eight mana, you can make a one one and then pump it to a four four. Well, and the Kamal. Oh, and the Kamal. Got it. Oh yeah. So I guess the the activated ability from the Kamal gives gives yourself trample. I'm pretty sure, right? Okay. But the thing that we were doing by we, I mean me, was animating my opponent's lance and then casting Starstorm for one, which is like a X spell X damage each creature. Not even cycle and slice and dice. Uh, I mean, it could have, but like Starstorm was better against goblins. Just played, okay. just played four. 
other other hits in this deck, I had Silvos Rogue Elemental. It's like a six mana eight five trample regenerator, and then Silk Lash Spider. It's a five mana two seven reach. Not a great deck. Also has an activated ability. It was actually not bad. I lost playing for day two, like I said. As far as like decks that were okay against slide and goblins, this this deck was okay against slide and goblins. Uh and so I'm four two, and back then uh four two and one made day two. So normally at four two, you just get to draw into day two. So like I I win my round to go four and two, and I'm pretty happy. Assume that I get to draw. And there are I am one of 35 matches that drew into day two where I was paired down. Tilt. So I am playing against a, a nice gentleman. I remember his name, Gustavo Chapella, I believe from Mexico, playing Astral Slide. He was very nice, very apologetic as I just miss land drop after land drop and he hard casts his layways to kill my land. So like, I'm so sorry, lay waste you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, lay waste you. I'm so sorry, lay waste yeah. you. Old school magic where we kill each other's lands, but we're very polite about it. You know how many random opponents' names I remember from 2003? <laughs> I will always remember Gustavo Chapella. <laughs> I love it. So that's my pro tour story. But after this, Need a little me time. So I'm walking around the islands, Lido. And granted, pretty nice place. Uh, like pretty friendly. Uh, you know, just get to walk around at night. Feel, you know, just completely safe. Got got some some headphones. Got some tunes going. Trying to find some food because I haven't eaten all day. It's like, you know, 6, 7 p.m. or whatever. Well, tough shit. Nothing's open. Island Island just like closes on the weekends or whatever. Normal thing that islands do, I guess. Yeah, go to sleep hungry, have have sleep for dinner, as it were. Wake up in the morning, try and find food. Whenever I go out to to try and find food, and it's just like, oh uh, yeah, restaurants closed, siesta. And it's just like, how long does this last? It's like, uh, don't know. <laughs> we just close at arbitrary times of the day. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's like one store where you could buy sandwiches, and that was it. No tombstone on the island. Hell no, <laughs> dude. I I would happily take. To this day, I will happily take a tombstone pizza over any Italian pizza that I've had, at least. And certainly, I back then, I would have taken a tombstone over any Italian pizza. Fair. But yeah, man, it was not, not a good trip. Not a good trip. It was fun and interesting and... I don't know, there are so many PTs that are just like throwaways, right? But it's, there are some that just like stick with you. Yeah, I can relate to that. Some I remember every round, others I can't even remember I was there. Just getting but. lay wasted out of the tournament. Yeah. Huey Jensen, top for this event with green white vegetation. Okay. Akahiro Kashima, top aided with three color vegetation vegetation so like there were explosive vegetation was a good card in this format that was kind of like the other angle goblins and slide were certainly the two most popular decks but beasts jordan berkowitz in third oh, place oh yeah with, dude with i beast. tried that beast deck after that tournament i was like this is so bad yeah terrible terrible like i don't even know that these could these decks could beat some limited decks but 
Yeah, uh, stuff stuff was different back then. Yeah, Gabriel Nassif in the top eight with Goblins. This was a good top eight, man. Sure. Yeah, Osip actually uh, beat Gustavo either like playing for top eight or the round before playing for top eight also, which is yeah. kind of why I remember it, where it's like at one point I was just wandering around day two. I was like playing some PTQs or whatever. And I just saw that homie that lay wasted me was like making a deep run. And it's just like good for him. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Can't find your deck list though. Weird. Weird. I dug deep. I tried really hard. They didn't post the four and three deck lists. I mean, they might have, but like, you know, Wizards has taken down Pro Tour coverage. So I'm on some ghetto website that I'm nervous to click on anything about. Yeah. Uh, so there, this, this is my second individual Pro Tour, I think. The first one was Houston. That one was extended. And they posted all the deck lists for that one. I went through, I looked at all the deck lists. I had the third worst deck in the entire tournament in Houston. So not only did you look at all the deck lists, but you had the capacity to rank them and rate them all the way down to this 300th best deck. Well, when you start from the bottom, it's pretty easy. <laughs> okay. You know, fair. it's like, I don't know what the 150th worst deck looked like or whatever. I didn't rank them all, but I was like, man, my deck was so bad. And then I looked at all the deck lists and I was like, I found two that were worse than mine. So. Yeah. Was it a bad list or was the archetype itself flawed? Or oh, my deck? I assume if you're the third worst, you kind of have to have both. Uh, I was playing Aluren in, so kind of like a, a turn four combo deck in a field where there were a lot of, not a lot, but like a decent amount of like turn two wins. Yeah. And this then, was like, life was a really big deck? No. Uh, this, this was like, Fetchlands had just come out and duels had rotated. Uh, and I think like some other stuff had rotated too, probably, but it was like uh, YMG went one, two, three at this one. Yeah. With like O3 animator or whatever. Yeah. One of the and, like, most dominating Pro Tour performances ever. Three, one team, three different decks for second, third. Yeah. So like uh, Oath of Druids, very powerful card that you could play. You could play in Tomb Reanimate. The things that you could reanimate were not that strong, but like you got to play. You know, brainstorm and vampire tutor or whatever. Yeah, which are pretty powerful cards. And then, uh, goblin lackey was legal, so you could like lackey in a goblin goon, and then like tangle wire your opponent or whatever. Like, all of these things were like pretty normal things that I was doing that people were doing. And then I was playing Aluren, but I wasn't even playing like a fast version of Aluren. I didn't have like Havenwood Battlegrounds. I think I had one city of traders or whatever. Uh, it was just, it was really bad. It was just like, I think I had an extra card in my combo than I needed to compared to everyone else's list. There's just a lot wrong with it, you know? A little bit more honest. Yeah, honest and that's, that's not, not what you want to be doing. No, you know? not in an unfair format like this. Doesn't sound like the place to be. No. Nah. So, uh, the, one of the decks that I, well, one of the decks that was certainly worse than mine that I think was maybe the worst was a deck that had uh, Nether Spirit, Rewind, and Beast Attack in it. Beast Attack is like Flash make a 4-4 flashback? 2-G-G-G. Yeah, instant make a 4-4. Four, four. And then flashback, flashback for like 7. No, same as the mana cost. Oh. I mean... Hell of, hell of a deal. Yeah, sounds like a great card in draft. But in, yeah, dude, it was, it was so good. Uh, but in terms of 
you know, doing fair things in an unfair format, their deck was worse than mine. Yeah. I can confidently say that. And it's not like they're blue green splashing for Nether Spirit. I, at least I would give them props for that. They're just like full salt eye. And it's just like wasn't good. It was all like pain lands. Yeah. You know, you know to each their own. They probably had more fun. Yeah. Uh, so Saturday, uh, I try and fail at the arena open. Oh, wait, no. Green Red Velicate. Okay, Cartographer Survey is 3G Sorcery. Look at the top seven or reveal the top seven, whatever. You get two lands, put them into play. Rest on the bottom. So explosive vegetation, but you can get like maybe some fetches, maybe some Velicates, who knows? Yeah. Right? All different types of lands. Yeah, so kind of cool. Uh, and it's just ramping pretty hard, playing the One Ring, playing Wish, playing Scape Shift, not playing Primeval Titan. And I think that there is a lot there. Uh, the the normal Beans deck definitely struggles against those sort of strategies. I think things like Leyline help a little bit, but with Wish and sideboard cards and like, you know, Besager, Ren6 type of stuff, it, it's not that big of a deal. They can still find a way to to beat you up pretty badly and there's not a whole lot you can do and it's not like they're even weak to inevitable betrayal uh which by the way i think is pretty bad but i got uh, a real soft spot for uh no primeval titan scapeshift decks yeah same uh j ford gp atlanta atlanta's built for tough that was your deck list right yeah yeah but i i probably have tried that in modern every six months for the last two years and I usually make it about two challenges before I'm like, yeah, never mind. Okay. But n- not like all the way blue, like cryptic commanding, like what Jason was doing back in that format. But just like, you know, trying to play a more fair controlling deck with like a Valakut kill. Yeah, I I absolutely love those decks. And that deck has gotten some really nice cards where, you know, it's like things like Grow Spiral and Fire Ice and like... Can you imagine having access to that stuff in like 2011? Yeah, I can't. I also just like, I have a soft spot for search for tomorrow too. Just like turn one suspend search is just like the place to be, but it's not actually where you want to be in 2023. I don't know. I mean, I I played, like I said, I played the bad version and I think I went like three, two or four, one. And it, it did not feel terrible to me. It wasn't something where I was like, oh, okay. Like crosses off the bucket list, like immediately write it off. I was like, okay, like now, now I, I know what this deck is doing, how it feels. Cause like it, it was one of the, the decks that adopted the one ring pretty were successfully. You, I think. Were you so. dabbling with bring to lights at all? Or were you staying away from that? No, I, I just played green red and the new version dabbles in white a little bit. Got it. Yeah, see, it, it's hard because binding is the card I have a huge soft spot for. So, like, I just want to add that to every deck. But, like, sure. I bring to light is the card I fought a lot with in this. So, yeah, I just, I don't think that you need it in this one specifically because you're, you're dry and valicate and, like, especially having wish. It's just yeah. like, you don't, you don't need it. You just kill them. Yep. You don't even need to do the creativity thing where it's like, oh, I have to spend the first couple turns like fending them off or whatever no you're just ramping that's yep. it go faster yeah ring ring gives you a little fog wish maybe gets you the extra turn you need you find a removal spell or whatever yeah if you want to work on side projects man this is a deck i got a soft spot for so um yeah if i'm trying to incinerate some tickets this is a place i'll be <laughs> 
Well, instead of incinerating tickets, can I interest you in Suica game? <laughs> well, what we've slowly learned on the side here is that incinerating tickets is something that you're not able to do in the qualifier this weekend, and I was dead ass wrong. Yeah. Good and thing I checked, huh? Weird. I, dude, I checked too. I fact-checked myself, and I was overly confident and disappointed you didn't listen to me, and I was dead wrong. And the super qualifiers absolutely let you register with tickets. But, but this for, is just a normie qualifier, and they're like, no, no, no. For whatever reason, a normal qualifier, you can't, which just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, that's and, how it is. And to be honest, man, it has been a minute since I've seen one that wasn't labeled super qualifier. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And like looking at it quickly, it looks like they're basically the same thing except top two versus top four qualify. So like top four so, qualify tickets, top two qualify, no thanks. Yeah. So it's it's worse for the player prize wise and they can't use tickets to enter. Yeah. Like, let me give you my money, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let me let me buy QPs. Yeah. Arena lets me buy wild cards now. Man, some other games let you buy entries into the RC to begin with. Like I can't even buy yeah. an entry into the qualifier. Yeah, if I wanted to go play the flesh and blood pro tour for a thousand dollars, I could, you know? Yeah. Dude, would I would I would I pay a thousand dollars to skip the PTQ season for magic? I don't know. I both would and would not want to and live in or exist in a situation or a format where that was a thing. Yeah. And I get that that's controversial or whatever and not everybody agrees, but like, it's like, it's about the chase, man, you know? And I'm somebody who I have like a criminally bad record in RCQs. Yeah, you're not, you're not feeling the chase as much as you should be. But I don't want it to be easier. I'm sitting here telling you it's miserable and I hate it. I don't want to do it. But at the same time, the last thing I'm going to sit here and do is tell you to make it easier. Yeah, maybe maybe the way to go is to play in through Moto. Yeah, maybe. Listen, starts, like, it starts for, Sunday. And uh, can I get 40 QPs by then? Probably. Yeah, you absolutely can. All we need to do is play in. in uh... What is the maximum amount I can get from prelims? Because I think I need 20 still. I mean, I think if you XO a prelim, that's just 40, isn't it? They just give them away like that? I assume that they gave you like five. Here I am. Prelim, 4-0, 40 QPs. What? Oh, my God. What does 3-1 give you? 20. Oh, my God. Wait, are there five? Yeah, yeah, two wins in a constructed preliminary is 10 QPs. Oh, uh, dude, I don't even need to like win in them. I just need to join them. Yeah, you're being a big old baby about this. Okay. Yeah, I can I can do that. It's only 20 ticks to enter too. Like this is just they are free. You can buy your entry. You just okay. have to you just have to you just have to register for one of these. Yeah, I'm just being lazy as hell. All yeah. right. Let's bust what? out that Valakut wish deck. We'll be fine. We'll go two and two three times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, book it. Uh all right. Let me let me check one of these challenges because I'm pretty sure I did not get any QPs for top 16. By that, I mean ninth. Yeah, no. T- top eight gets QPs, not top nine. Yeah, but it's like 10 or something. It's like not even a lot, right? I think that's what Yeah, I don't at. think it's a huge number. Which is surprising considering how they're just giving them away in the prelims. It, it, the, pro- the other prizes in the prelims are like nothing, though. So like the prelims are basically just like converting God, tickets into QPs. 
that's like the worst of both worlds where it's like making you buy them, but also making you do like four hours of labor for them. Yeah, it's just like an RCQ. I mean, it's like you, you, you lose say that, way. you say that, but like you're not, you're not winning in the RCQs. Yeah. Listen, man, I really enjoyed the challenges. I like Magic Online challenges quite a bit. And I'm excited that you are dabbling and dipping your toes in the water there. And I think that especially as the holidays are coming up and winter is coming and I have baby on the way that like more of my magic playing is going to be magic online challenges and less travel. So I'm excited. Yeah. For ninth, I got my play points back and I got 10 treasure chests. And then I looked at fifth through eighth and it was like 10 QPs. And I saw that and it was basically just like, God, I would have to top eight like two challenges. Like that seems like a lot of work, right? Yeah. Two, two in a prelim gets you the same number of QPs. Good God. <laughs> the system doesn't make sense. Do Don't I have fix treasure it. chests? Do Don't I have fix it. I have confidence in the new Magic Online stuff. All of the changes recently have been really good and all, all in the right direction. They have a long ass ways to go, but we are going in the right direction. I have five chests. I'm opening them now. I love it. One at a time or all at once? All at once. The problem is like the cards that are actually worth tickets like surprise me. So sometimes I think I bricked and then like I just open a random trade and like all of a sudden I have a, a card with 40 tickets. Yeah, they're like, please take 200 tickets or whatever. You're <laughs> like, uh... uh... I got a borderless chrome host seed shark, which is actually kind of tight because now I have two of them because I got one in a previous treasure chest. Borderless is sweet. Uh, I got a Sanctifier in Vec, a Thorn of Amethyst, and some non-commander cards. A Graveborn Muse, a Narcomoeba, etc. And 95 play points. Graveborn Muse, bringing us back to our Onslaught Block Constructed days. Exactly. I also have three of these promo booster things. Oh, these are hideous. Unopen that. Why did I open that? <laughs> Foil, Enchanted Tales, Spreading Seas. It's all right. GoPot will chew that up for you. You don't even have to look at it. Oh, my God. They, but they give you like point oh 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 one cents or whatever. Oh, I open up the trades with the... They, they don't even take tickets. They're just like, you know, destroy oh, cards just the incinerators? Yeah, no, that's all I, I, I want. I have an account with like 150,000 cards on it. Yeah. Well, back in I the refuse. day, you only like 32 card max per trade. Like it used to take forever to do that. I know. Yeah. No thanks. Whenever I did a draft, I would just move it over. And we were doing a lot of drafts. I was doing a lot of drafts. I, I definitely have, you know, 400 of some comments. Anyway, uh, Sunday challenge. It's like, all right, got scam out of my system. And uh, I had this beans list. Kind of working on refining this a little bit. We played the Bloodbraid Elf one in Dallas. That went okay. Not great. I figured I could probably do better with it on Moto than I could in real life with time pressures, you know, because Moto Clock is, it generally works in my favor, regardless of what deck I'm playing. But I didn't want to play Bloodbraid Elf. I want to play Force of Negation. I want to have some amount of like stack interaction. I think that that's good. Uh, so if you've got Bloodbraid Elf, you still want to play, you know, 12-ish Cascaders. You have Ardent Plea or Violent Outburst, which is kind of cool. You get to pick whichever one pitches the Solitude that you want, you know. Uh, but then 
If you want a Kahira, all you'd have to do is cut Charlotte's agent for the other one, which then ups your pitch numbers even more, and then you just lose out on like the two-two body. So what if what if I just played Arden Plea, Violent Outburst, and no Shardless, and then still play Kira? What do you think about that? I'm not all the way there with you. And I like the spirit of the Shardless agent with the other three mana cascaders to get a little bit leaner, let us play force. You're kind of at this point like you're leaning in the direction that Tristan kind of took us, like being a little bit more blue-whitey, but you still are able to support Fury if we lean into Violent Outburst. Um, but I will say that when you and I were playing an iteration of this deck pre-Cascade, but post-One Ring, where we just had Beanstalks and nothing else, Kahira was a card that we both noted as very much overperforming. Yeah. So you have my attention. Okay, so I did that. Uh, other notable change was... Well, also, there's just a big difference in like having a four-mana Cascader versus a three-mana one. Massive. Uh, where... Like, if you draw the Natty Beans, it's awesome. But it just means that on turn three, at least, you should have one every game. And then that allows you to, like, start doing stuff and not feel bad about it. Whereas Blood Braid just feels, like, too slow. And then you run into problems where you have, like, Blood Braid and Omnath in your deck and just a mountain of four drops, you know? Yeah, I think there's... I agree with all that. And I also would add that there's, like, some element of the sideboard cards that you and I tend to be trying to cascade into that others are still kind of avoiding get even better when we lean into the three-mana cascaders more. Yeah, I'm... I'm, That's my main point of contention right now is, like, which ones of them are actually good, which ones are worth it, which ones are not. I mentioned earlier that I think Betrayal in theory, seems good, and, like, I did win a game off of Tron by cascading into Betrayal, hitting Ulamog, uh, because I have the three-drop Cascaders, and I'm just, like, mono beans. I also have two Time Warps. Uh, so I, I went, like, Cascade, Betrayal, you Time Warp, and just killed them. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, and they just bored him out for game three, and I lost game three. Um, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then there, I think there was a match in like a random league I played or whatever where like it was a turn where they played one ring and I'm definitely playing a Cascader because I have like no other options and it's not like I have Violent Outburst can do it on their turn or whatever. And I just happened to Cascade into the Betrayal when they had the one ring protection. Brutal. So maybe not a thing that, that comes up all that often, but like the fact that it is like a 20% hit or whatever, well... Maybe it's like 25, depending on how you sideboard. I don't know if you have the Alpine Moon and cut two bean stocks or whatever. But yeah, it's it's low cost. And like, listen, if you're going to beat Tron with this deck, I feel like you're going to be stealing games either way. So yeah, but I, I feel like in order to beat them two of three games, you probably need a more robust plan against them. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I, I reliably, I would agree. Yeah. Right? But like I would if you, you could still convince me that having the one inevitable trail in your sideboard gets you five percent against them. Sure. Right. And maybe that five percent is worth the one card and that still makes you like a pretty sizable dog in the matchup, but it still is equitable to play it. Yeah, maybe. 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 Right. At that oh, point, yeah, is I... it like win less or like lose less or whatever? I don't I don't know. Yeah, so point being, I'm at I'm at a crossroads now with a lot of these cards where, like, I, I still like the Chalice, just kind of, like, adding that to the pool against Living End and Rhinos. 
And then in Dallas, we played a Lavinia, which in theory could be okay in the mirror and against, uh, I don't know, decks like Tron and stuff. But I think it's just effectively chalice number two, right? If you like, I think living end is the primary reason to play it because like we don't have the endurances that a lot of other people have. So like living end becomes like a pretty difficult matchup. So like having a second thing to cascade into, especially because like usually just one against them is not going to be enough. They have a lot of ways to answer it. I actually don't think that Living End is that bad. It is so the decks that I lost to were Tron, Living End, and Ad Nauseum. Well, Tron and Ad Nauseum are expected losses and things that like that's just kind of like what you get signing up with this. Yeah, and Living End when I played against it in Dallas, I just I just did the thing where I like maybe had a beanstalk and like played some pitch elementals. I uh, just put them in my graveyard, you know, and then when they living ended, it was not that bad. And then we just continued like playing the game and eventually you just end up drawing a bunch of cards and beating them, you know? Yeah. And, and we both did this in one of the earlier rounds at the SCG and we both locked up to each other after we're like, oh man, maybe we're going to like, I think we were both like two or three and oh at the time. We're like, we, we figured this out. But. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe this is not as bad as we thought, which is cool. It's like an added bonus. Yeah. Uh, and then in, in this match, I mostly just had like, a fury or whatever and then just kind of like bricked off from there and didn't have a whole lot of going on and didn't put up a lot of resistance and i think the one time i cascaded i hit a beanstalk and not the chalice or whatever so yeah it's honestly like that's been a little bit of my experience playing this cascade beanstalk deck is like on the surface it looks like it should be pretty consistent and do its thing pretty reliably but i found myself like losing in matchups or games that i expected to win a weird amount which is like surprising there's just like a lot of air in the deck and like a lot of weird things can happen yeah i think you get it in good for the most part in terms of are you going to execute on your game plan but obviously things can go a little south like you can just draw a bunch of lands or whatever you know yeah it happens but um yeah three or four events in a row now where that's kind of happened to us pretty regularly right so i don't know I don't have a big enough sample size well, or enough reps with it to be able to like speak with any level of confidence, but like, yeah, I mean, that was, that was like one match, uh, in, in a sea of many where this happened and I'm, I'm still working on stuff, you know, like I also have like force negation in my deck now too, which I just like, didn't, didn't draw those, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I, it, it feels like it's, it's probably like a slight favorite living end is, but maybe not like a massive one. Yeah. Whereas I, I thought I, it was probably going to be pretty bad. And I like the direction that you're taking things a lot, right? You're getting a little bit leaner. Like too many four drops was a big problem that we had. You're still, you still, we still have Furies, which is like a place I think we both agree we want to be. Yeah. I mean, especially to, I mean, if you're going to maximize Beanstalk, it makes sense to play as many like five mana elementals as you can, right? Yeah. And like the other, the other big thing that I like with this version with the, like maybe you play Beanstalk on two, but you almost certainly have it on turn three. Or if you did have one on turn two, then you probably get to double up on on turn three and like really start cooking is uh, there's there's like the decking issue, right? Where it's like you got to really figure out whether or not you actually want to like put the third beanstalk into play a lot of the time because the draw is not a may and you just might end up decking yourself to the point where you have to play like a main deck endurance or like a misveil planes or like some sort of nonsense or whatever. And I saw... Yeah, you're laughing because I'm like calling out Mason Clark or whatever, but like he's he's not the first one to do it. I had to read it. Uh, I I I've 
I've looked at a lot of deck lists in my time. I've done some Bruin in my time. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I've ever st- ever registered it in a tournament, but it's definitely been close. I will say that. Anyway. I'm not sure if that's something I'd be proud of, but carry on. I've played a lot of tournaments, man, you know? <laughs> you can't you can't play like Jund in all of them or whatever. So. Well, we learned earlier you played Eldrazi in two, so. Yeah. Uh, I saw folks playing a Jace Wielder of Mysteries, which has the Thos's Oracle text on it in you know some of the leagues some of the challenges and if your your goal is to just like turbo through your deck it certainly seems better than playing an endurance um endurance has a little bit of extra value in other places but like jace itself is just not that bad of a magic card either I think the bigger thing is like other people are trying not to die and you're trying to kill them. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I want the fourth beanstalk actually. Like just give it, give it all to me, you know? Yeah. And you sent me this list and then like, we're like, I don't know, in round three or four of the event. And when I jumped on a discord call with you and I watched you murder somebody with this. Yeah. What was and I playing against? Do you remember? I don't. You had two beanstalks in play already. I think you put a third one in play. I watched you churn through like 20 cards and kill them with the Jace. And I was just like, oh, you know, all the other cards we're all trying to play in these situations are like, so we don't die. But this is quite the opposite. And yeah. a lot more appealing. Yeah. All, I mean, also in terms of like real life clock consideration, it certainly seems better than the endurance we played, right? Dude, it was actually just a strategy. Like, all of a sudden, you were like, oh, I yeah. want to put more beanstalks in play. It's yeah. not like, oh, I need to be careful of it. You were like, you know, especially in a matchup where, like, you know they don't have a way to interact with it. Like, they don't have counter spells, and, like, you know, you, you know it's going to resolve. Like, it, it it looked very powerful. Yeah, and I played one Teferi also just to kind of, like, have that sort of insurance where, like, when, when I go for it, I want to be able to do this and, like, know that I'm going to win. And, you know, the deck could obviously have, like, a second to vary or something if you wanted. But uh, the time warps were a thing that people were playing, which was, like, kind of meme I tried them. But with this plan, I think it is legitimately good. And against things like Tron, Mono Black Coffers, whatever, I think that, like, Beanstalk into Time Warp plus Jace allows you to actually, like, win against them reasonably fast. Like, you can present... You could like literally kill them on off of your turn five, you know? Yeah. Which, which I think is great. And then you played a match against like Mono White Martyr where it's like, oh yeah, we literally can't beat them, right? But now you can. Now you can. Now you have a real chance. Also, like I will say the other, the, the only real reason way I could imagine beating Mono White in like the construction of the deck that I had was by trying to get a mana advantage. And the only card that I had to do that was Omnath. And Time Warp is another way to gain a mana advantage. Fair. That, yeah. And I, and I think that like this is a consistent theme of like time warp on the surface doesn't look very good and I keep rolling my eyes every time I see it, but it like it feels like it consistently overperforms because it does the thing the deck is missing. Yeah, I mean there there are definitely cases like against things like Merktide, like you don't want a five mana sorcery that they can just like spell pierce or oh, whatever. For sure. Like you just yeah. want any other card in your deck, right? Yeah, it's like a five mana relatively low impact, but it allows you to pull ahead in these spots when you're like already firing where like 
those are the situations where I've spun my tires and lost some games that I never expected to lose where like, yo, I did my things and like my deck did what it was supposed to. Why didn't I? Why wasn't I able to close? Yeah, so, like, exactly. Time Warp, Jace, these are cards that like allow you to actually close out those games more reliably. And I think that that makes sense. Yeah, so this is kind of the thing that I'm obsessed with now. I even sent you a list a little bit later, which is uh, kind of like a cleaned up list of uh, Tristan's version. And I watched the the video that you sent me of him being on Ellen Bogan's stream. Yeah. Which was pretty nice. It was like kind of nonsense. And Ellen Bogan was playing the games and like a, a combination of like timing out and not paying attention or whatever. Dude, so, I, I love all of it. I, I, I think it's phenomenal content. In, in, in terms, it was good content. But in terms of like, you know, me learning more about his deck or like why he built it that came in the first 15 minutes yeah, you know that's fair you got yeah you got to pick and choose your spots right it's a combination of like constructive content you can learn from and just like entertainment yeah but uh with so his, his list already had time warps right but he had, was, i mean he had three but i think 70 cards right um he had two and two bring the lights i think and then a third time warp in the sideboard for like Mirror and Tron, stuff like that, which I also think is pretty reasonable. And he had 70 cards and like an endurance or multiple endurances or something. Yeah, they get two. Yeah, but like 60 cards with Jace and the time warps, it's like, oh no, we could just we could just do this instead, and you're actually incentivized to play fewer cards now. I like it. I think it all makes sense. So I, I haven't gotten to try this yet. Uh, and I may have to uh, play more Suica game. So I'm not sure if it'll get done this week. But I should also, I should get those QPs. You know, I should do that. Get we'll those QPs. And like, listen, this one looks ripe for a 2-2. So 10 QPs are in your future. Yo, you're definitely right about that. Also, the, the thing about this Sunday uh challenge that i noted and i may have said this like some point like like two years ago or whatever we're like you know height of uh i guess like three years ago at this point good god like height of covid lockdown type of stuff like i was playing a decent amount of magic online especially when mh2 came out and the thing that i noticed about the sunday challenges because saturday is always like 11 a.m eastern which is like a pretty normal time for it seems like all of the tryhards to play it. And then the Sunday one is super early for Eastern time zone. It's like, yeah, you know, 7 5 a.m., 7 a.m. Seven, yeah. 7, but sure. Pretty early. But then if it's like, you know, if you're Pacific or whatever, it's 4 a.m. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get a lot of the West Coast folks. You're going to get more Europeans. And so for whatever reason, the Sunday challenge to me has always just looked completely bananas. Just like the weirdest decks and stuff that you definitely do not see in Saturday's challenge. And I, I think that this is honestly fairly consistent. And this has been like pretty consistent with my experience too. It was certainly true this week. <laughs> yes. So on the Friday challenge, I played against like all the tier one decks, you know? And maybe that's why it was like such a roller coaster. And then on Sundays, I was like, at some point I realized like, oh shit, yeah. Cause I'm playing against like Living End and Ad Nauseam and uh, round one was Mono Black Coffers, which granted like did just win the big RC thing in Europe 
Uh, so maybe more people are picking it up as a result of that. It's not explicitly just a meme necessarily, but still like that trend continues, you know, and I was just like, this is not the tournament for like the Beanstalk deck. This, If I wanted to win, this would have been the one for like me to play Scam, but I also wanted the best experience with Scam, which I did think that I got on Friday. Yeah, you got, you, you definitely like, if you wanted to win both tournaments, you should have played the decks in the opposite order. Yes, I agree with that. And like the Saturday challenge, which is the one in between these two. I don't know if you saw this. This is oh, the I one did. Corey taught for. First through sixth place, all Scam. Yes. Six Scam decks in a row. Also, the other two top eight decks were both black decks. Yeah, Yog Moth and Coffers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the full thirty-two thought seizes. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. Well, did did Yog actually have oh, four no, on the board that's, or whatever? That's fair. No, no, probably not. But I just assume when I see swamps. No, you're right. No thought seizes in the Yog Moth deck, but I, I've seen him play four before. I'm just saying. It's not impossible. They could have if they wanted to. It's not impossible. Uh, total Bowmaster count, though. Oh, that's true. We probably have the full 32 Bowmasters. Looks right. Well, yeah, no one, no one played three, so. <laughs> Good for them. Everybody owned four. Got it. Good. Or, or oh, borrowed four. Oh, hold on. The Coffers deck has three. Ah, <laughs> uh, meme deck. Yeah. Fake deck. Fully, fully meme deck. Not real. But regardless, now, yeah, Bowmaster is the best card against opposing Bowmaster, so it's it's playable in my eyes, barely. It's fun, exciting, and interactive. No, it is. It is though. I do. I do like it. I think it it punishes the right things, and it does interesting things. Where you look at stuff like Sauron's Ransom because it doesn't physically like draw you cards or whatever. I think that those things are good for constructing magic. I don't hate it, but. I'm not going to go as far as say I like it. I, I think Bowmaster and Ren and Six existing in their forms where like Ren is minus one, not minus two to deal one is just like so hostile to one toughness creatures. And that was not my vision for modern, you know, and like yeah. Fury too, obviously. But you are not allowed to play cheap creatures. But then at the same time, there's a Yog moth deck that's one of the better decks and just plays almost exclusively cheap creatures. Yeah, but they don't really care if their stuff dies. Yeah. Like, you just, like, especially now with Cauldron, it's just kind of like whatever. I know. It's just, it's just funny. It is funny. I mean, like in theory, all the creatures in the scales deck are one ones or whatever, but not really. So potentially Magic Online Qualifier Sunday. Any other potentials to join me to help qualify and join me in Denver in February? Uh, I still have the one in DC at some point. And I guess we have SCG Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this this week or weekend, I guess, uh, is is BlizzCon. So the folks here are going to that. So I have to, I have to do a bunch of, like, cat sitting. I have so many cats to feed. And then I have wedding on Saturday that I don't know how I'm going to get to. And got to try to figure out if I can play magic in there at some point. And in order to like feed cats, potentially, I might have to play scam instead of the beanstalk deck, which is probably better for my win rate overall anyway. So yeah, there's, I, I, I can, I can probably do Sunday. That should be doable. I like where then, we're going. 
and then Pittsburgh into maybe I go to DC for a thing. I there's also the Apex thing that weekend where they have their invitational, and I guess they're doing LCQs for it. So Wh- for which city is that in? Caldwell, Ohio. Man. It's like an hour from Columbus, but like getting there is is also like very bad for me. It doesn't sound fun. Nah. I've been to enough different places in Ohio. I don't need to go to more. <laughs> That's fair. That is completely fair. Uh, um, I am in agreement with you. But I don't know. It's like... We got opportunities. Like back in the day, I would certainly see that as an advantage, right? Where it's like, oh, I just know that like not a lot of people are going to try and go to this thing because A, they don't know about it. B, if they do know about it, they know how hard it is to get to Caldwell, Ohio. <laughs> fair. Right. And it's just like, all right, LCQ into like this, I think it's like a 20K invitational or something. And there's there's three LCQs on on Friday and Saturday. So yeah, folks, folks near Ohio, check that out, look that up. But if I don't go to that, then I might go to DC for an RCQ. Do it. And if, if nothing else, man, like I'll go to Denver with you. I'll I'll grind in. Yeah. You can, I'm, you can, I'm you can probably, burn me and then that'll be good because we'll learn more about your deck from me playing the day before. And I think we have Atlanta's what pioneer and then Denver will be standard. I don't even I, know. I decided that I'd pay a thousand dollars to skip any pioneer season. Okay. Well, it's not a season. It's just, it's just the RC itself. Well, no, I know, but. I I didn't play in any qualifiers, therefore I'm not qualified. Oh. Uh, but if I got to skip LCQing and playing in the RC, and if I, you know, assuming I wanted to qualify, I would I would pay a thousand dollars to skip it. I I don't even have a lot of money. Uh, you know? I could I can relate to that. I basically paid paid a thousand dollars in RCQ entry fees and won like four matches total. So effectively the same thing. <laughs> I need I need to win that arena open, man. Those things are hard, man. It is. It is. Uh, also, uh, remind me to tell you an offline story from one of my matches there. Will do. Cool. Uh, what If you had to play Modern again, what would you do? Because I know that you have you have good reason to not really like the list that we played in Dallas. I also would not play that list again. So, I'd want to. I'd want to. I probably want to play Beanstalk. I I quite enjoyed the feel of the Beanstalk list we played. That was not cascading. That being said, like I don't necessarily know that I could convince myself to play that into a field of like one rings and other cascade Beanstalk decks and just getting like arms raced out. But like, I would push myself towards some type of four C variant. And the time warps is probably like the most appealing thing for me of like what I'm looking for as a way to pull ahead. Yeah. So something in that direction is where I'm going. And I have two time warps in my shopping cart at TCG Player right now. Dude, how much are they? And are they Tempest? Or are they weird ones? Listen, if they were $2, they wouldn't be in my shopping cart. They would have already been purchased. Yeah, I know. I know they're like 16 on SCG, but they're sold out. Yeah, that that's what they're they're like 15 bucks each, which is like just enough that it's making me hesitate and just little enough that I'm like, maybe I can just do this. Well, what if I what if I sideboard a third copy? Well, that's going to be a problem because that's fifteen <laughs> more dollars. 
<laughs> and the problem is every time I look at them after that, I'm going to be like, man, I spent 30 or $45 on these cars I've never played. You remember when we did the little playtesting session when Wondering came out and I had a time warp in my deck and you laughed at me? Yeah. And I've played a lot of time warp and constructed. I've and now you, you have them in your shopping cart. Did yeah. you ever think that it I would come to the this? Card. Avenger of Zendikar, Time Warp, and Jace. That was my deck. I loved I, that I did. Deck. I played that in an open. I remember that. Yeah, fantastic deck. But it was a deck. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say it was good. I didn't it's tell no, you this. It's no explosive vegetation, you know. Well, that's fair. Um, Ebes played in an RCQ over the weekend. Oh. And creativity. Okay, no, that's good. But I'm, got I'm beat glad. up by matchups that he's supposed to beat. So loved oh. his, he, his response was, loved my deck choice. I'm a little rusty. Oh, yeah. I was going to say washed. Yeah. What the hell? Washed, rusty, same after, thing. Dude, after a weekend of playing Magic even, how is he, how oh, is he yeah. still rusty? Oh, he's motivated. Okay. He's motivated. Love that. Yeah. And Christine's kicking his ass. So uh, Really? Yeah. She's not going to let him lose much. So it's a tough house to live in if you're not winning. <laughs> Dude, that that is that is awesome because not a lot of my relationships have gone that way. Yeah. A lot of them have been like, please stop playing, you know? Yeah. And she knows enough about magic to be dangerous. And she's like still new to the game, right? Like six months ago, she had no idea what it was. And now she's like, wants to put Shieldred in a Traxa in every deck because every time she sees somebody play them, they win. Yeah, busted. Yeah. Mythic rare. Yeah. So her advice for us for standard was to put those two cards in the same deck. Uh, yeah, I tried. Yeah. I tried. And like, listen, the spirit of that I can buy. Like every deck should probably have at least one of the two. I I really do like life gain. Just like attached to cards that are already good, you know? Well, a, a card like that gains you life that if they don't kill, kills them is also pretty good. Yeah. Kind of, kind of extraneous at that point. But like the life gain is, is sort of why you're winning, right? It just means that you also cannot lose. Yeah. So... You just don't have to play with your food for too long. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing, uh, especially when we're talking about not. Uh, do you know the term no clipping mode? No. This is uh, a thing that was uh, turned on to me by a friend of mine from Iowa, Dan Skinner. And for, I'm going to say a friend of mine, maybe not maybe not the nicest human. Yeah, you know, just in case anyone out there actually knows him. And it's just like, wait, why are you friends with that dude? But... Uh, this was when I was playing a mystical teachings deck in block that basically could only win by looping Gaia's blessings. Okay. And he referred to it as no clipping mode. And I was like, what's that? And apparently it's, uh, a, a thing that happens in doom where it's like God mode where you're just like walking through walls and stuff. Got it. That is not so the angle. I thought this was going. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know, like how you get it, like if this is like an actual in-game feature, if it's a bug or whatever. I don't know the lore or anything, but I, whenever I think of like that type of stuff, like I, I am, I want to be on no clipping mode every time. Uh, and now we have like Jace and like our life game cards are just like killing our opponents and stuff. It like it kind of sucks, but it is good for the win rate. I will say. Yeah, we used to phrase it as killing them with a spoon. Yeah, same thing. Right? Like, uh, uh, take that. Yeah. One damage. Like, if you measured my magic tournaments by the number of minutes or the number of turns that I was ahead, I would always yeah. win. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, I think, 
think like Just Guy Flash was disappointing in that way where it's like, oh, I would love to just like loop Sphinx's Revelation, but the some of the best card advantage cards like Restoration Angel, Snapcaster Major, Augur, Bolas. I know you didn't play Augur, probably because you're smart, but like those also just like killed your opponents. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah. And the best place to point your burn spells was sometimes at their face, not their creatures. Yeah, sometimes. So it was like, oh, man, my opponent just died too fast. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. I caught myself multiple times, like, killed their creatures and untapped. And I was like, oh, crap. If I just pointed them at them, they were dead. Oh, yeah. That's fine, though. Yeah. it's I, it, I just killed them. It just was seven turns later, and I got to enjoy myself a little. Yeah. And I, I think as long as the line that you find, like you know, you're, you're like searching for the line of what you're going to do. And like, you found the winning line, right? Like you did not expose yourself to anything extraneous or whatever. It's still a winning line. I think it's okay to stop there. You know, you don't necessarily need to super stress out over finding the most optimal winning line. If you know that this one is a hundred percent win. Yep. I'm for that. So yeah. No scam in your future though. I mean, the high octane stuff is appealing, but I don't have any modern tournaments on the horizon in the short term now. So RCQ Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm qualified already, so I'll be there oh. to concede. Oh. I mean, but but I'll come and I'll scoop. I just I'll get paired against somebody and I'll you know, hopefully you get paired against me in round 1 or 2 because I'm not usually in the tournaments after that. Yeah. All right, we'll figure it out. But okay, so where where my head is at, I think I think I'm down to scam, honestly. So if for an event, bring bring your bowmasters. I still don't own any. All right, they're yours. Game. Good luck. 